0: USWNT WNT vs Netherlands takeaways, lack of subs questionable but USA show resiliency in World Cup showdown. Pardeep Katri
1: Getty Images The US women's national team battled to earn a 1-1 draw against the Netherlands in a match that served as the first true test of the Americans' potential to win a third consecutive women's World Cup title. The reigning champions went down early after Jill Ruard's 17th minute goal, but made up the difference in the 62nd minute when Lindsay Horan scored her second goal of the tournament. It was a match full of ups and downs as the USWNT attack was not at its best, but improved as the match went on. The American defense, meanwhile, bolstered its case as the backbone of the team's title defense.
0: Galazzo's Starting 11 Newsletter Get your soccer fix from around the globe your ultimate guide to the beautiful game as our experts take you beyond the pitch and around the globe with news that matters.
1: I agree to receive the Galazzo starting 11 newsletter and marketing communications, updates, special offers, including partner offers, and other information from CBS Sports and the Paramount family of companies. By pressing Sign Up, I confirm that I have read and agree to the Terms of Use and acknowledge Paramount's Privacy Policy: https://privacy.paramount.com/policy. See all newsletters: https://www.cbssports.com/newsletters. Please check the opt-in box to acknowledge that you would like to subscribe.
0: Thanks for signing up. Keep an eye on your inbox. Sorry. There was an error processing your subscription.
1: The draw serves as the most compelling argument yet that this World Cup is the most competitive in the tournament's history and that the USWNT's quest for a three-peat will be no easy feat. It also poses some questions about how the reigning champions handle the tasks ahead of them, firstly their group stage finale against Portugal on Tuesday when top spot in Group E is up for grabs. Here are three takeaways from the USWNT's match against the Netherlands. The USWNT's offensive struggles continued against the Netherlands, particularly in the first half. The team posted 18 shots during the match but put only four of them on target and frequently took too many touches as they approached goal and allowed the Dutch to successfully reset. Things began to take a turn for the better after Rose Lavelle came on at halftime, and especially after Horan's equaliser and seemed less halted by an organised Netherlands defence. The team showed promise on set-pieces as demonstrated by Horan but the shot quality was not where it needed to be for the team to actually find a game-winning goal. Vlatko Andonovski opted to make only one sub during the match despite having five at his disposal, switching on Lavelle for Savannah De Mello at the half. He defended the decision in a post-game interview with Fox Sports https twittercom status We had a good rhythm. We dominated the game. We controlled the game, he said. Considering the embarrassment of riches on the USWNT's bench, including an inform form Lynn Williams, it's worth asking if Andonovsky could have bolstered his team's chances for a win with some personnel changes. It isn't all bad news for the USWNT. Despite conceding early on, the Dutch only registered five shots during the match. Ruud's strike was the Netherlands' lone shot on goal, which only had an expected goals xG tally of .05. The Dutch attack was barely present in the second half, especially as the USWNT's attack ramped up its efforts with a half hour left on the clock. Those five shots remain the only opportunities the American defense has conceded so far. Vietnam did not have a single one in the USWNT's opener. The backline combination of Emily Fox, Julie Ertz, Naomi Germa, and Crystal Dunn has only played twice together, but the group plus defensive midfielder Andy Sullivan are meeting the moment so far. Andonovsky acknowledged their efforts post-match. I don't remember more than three shots, he said. That's a great team though, that we just faced and to keep that team on three shots in one hundred minutes, that's a good performance. The defensive unit's strengths provide a crucial foundation as the USWNT looks to improve during the World Cup and seem to be the key to their success so far.
0: 3. USWNT Show Resilience
1: the road to World Cup glory is always full of trials and tribulations and one intangible quality usually helps a team in need of a spark, belief. Only four players who started the 2019 final against the Netherlands made the lineup, which meant a relatively inexperienced USWNT had to power through from a losing position in one of the biggest tests of their career. They passed first with Horns' goal and then with an improved performance following the equalizer. Nothing changed drastically from a tactical standpoint," Andonovsky said. "'We just pushed up Crystal and Fox higher from their starting position, we were just a bit more aggressive. The mentality is what changed the most. I think that it's not necessarily the mentality, it's the belief. This is a fairly young team, a team that hasn't been together for a long time. The belief is what got them going and got them through and I think as we go forward, we're going to see more of what you saw in the second half. It likely will not be the last major test for the USWNT during this tournament with the quality of the opposition better than it's ever been. The ability to rally back and rescue a point against a talented Dutch team, though, may prove to be a valuable experience as the World Cup progresses. Watch now! Colorado is in the midst of a potential return to the Big 12. On the heels of reports Wednesday afternoon that CU is engaged in what may be final talks setting the stage for the Buffaloes to leave the Pac-12, the Big 12's university president's Wednesday night voted unanimously to approve membership for Colorado should it formally apply, sources close to the process tell to CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd. A second Colorado Board of Regents meeting is scheduled for Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's possible that CU submits an official application to join the Big 12 following that meeting should the Regents vote to depart the Pac-12. The Buffaloes have long been considered a priority expansion target for the Big 12, which held substantive talks Colorado earlier this offseason, multiple sources told Dodd in May. This despite CU publicly saying it desired to remain in the Pac-12 and would not make any decisions until a Pac-12 media rights deal could be reviewed by conference members. CBS Sports learned Wednesday that interest between the parties increased in recent days. Should the Buffaloes rejoin the Big 12, they would be the only addition to the conference at the present time, sources tell CBS Sports. I have no comment other than what I said last week, Colorado Athletic Director Rick George told Dodd in late May about the school's potential interest in the Big 12. We are proud members of the Pac-12. In a perfect world, we'd love to be in the Pac-12, but we also have to do what is right for Colorado at the end of the day. Joining the Big Six Conference in 1947 and remaining with the expanded league for a span of 63 years, CU was a founding member of the Big 12 in 1996 and remained in the conference until it departed for the Pac-12 ahead of the 2011 season. At the time, many were surprised Colorado left for the Pac-12 at all given its history affiliated with the Big 12.
0: Will the Big 12 expand further?
1: The Big 12 officially added four new members, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, on July 1 as a means of rebuilding its conference following the scheduled departures of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC on July 1, 2024. The league will consist of 14 teams for the 2023 season before dropping to 12 in 2024 once OU exit. It is believed the Big 12 has been considering further expansion, not only making overtures to other Pac-12 programs, but also basketball powerhouses like Yukon and Gonzaga, Dodd reported in June. League Commissioner Brett Umark confirmed at Big 12 media days earlier this month that he would prefer to remain at 14 teams, which would require the addition of two schools after the Longhorns and Sooners depart the Buffaloes and another program. Umark also said he admired the branding efforts at Colorado. The Buffs football program made headlines this offseason by hiring former NFL star Deion Sanders as the team's coach. Previously, it was believed the Big 12 was interested in not only Colorado but the other so-called four-corner schools from the Pac-12, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. However, that interest appears to have subsided. The Big 12 sees an addition of Colorado to be a separate move from any additional expansion, which would potentially come at a later date, sources tell Dodd. Any such move must be handled delicately. Because of legal liability, the Big 12 cannot be seen as initiating interest with Colorado. Protocol dictates that CU would first have to apply for membership to join the Big 12 once the current Pac-12 media rights expires July 1, 2024. Multiple sources tell CBS Sports that Sanders supports a move to the Big 12 because the fertile recruiting grounds of Florida and Texas, both in the Big 12 footprint, would open even further for the buffs.
0: What will happen to the Pac 12?
1: The Pac 12 is undoubtedly at a crossroads. It is about to enter its final season with USC and UCLA before the flagship California schools exit for the Big Ten on July 1, 2024. As such, it has faced difficulties signing a new media rights deal. The Big 12 is partially responsible for the Pac-12's struggles as it opened its contract with Fox and ESPN, both presently Pac-12 partners as well, to jump ahead of the Pac-12 in the rights negotiation process. The Big 12 secured a $2.3 billion media rights deal with Fox and ESPN through the 2030-31 athletic season. Conference teams will earn an average of $31.7 million annually from the networks as part of the deal, and Colorado is expected to receive a full share upon its arrival should it finalize its return to the league. The Pac-12, meanwhile, has been unable to secure its own deal for the better part of a year. Despite reassurances from League Commissioner George Klyovkov that the Pac-12 will sign a deal that equals or exceeds the annual value of the Big 12's deal, the constant delays without either an agreement or named rights partners has some member universities feeling uneasy. Still, most have expressed their commitment to the Pac-12 at least until they are presented with the media rights package Klyovkov secures for the League. Klyovkov met with school officials Wednesday to provide an update on those negotiations, according to Yahoo Sports. Just one week ago, Klyovkov stood firm behind the conference's membership at Pac-12 Media Day, a message he has preached since last July. He reiterated that a new media rights deal for the Pac-12 was on the way despite negotiations continuing a year after they were authorized by the conference. Our schools are committed to each other and to the Pac-12, Klyovkov said. We'll get our media rights deal done, we'll announce the deal. I think the realignment that's going on in college athletics will come to an end for this cycle. The truth is we've got bigger fish to fry. There are incredible opportunities and also challenges in front of college athletics, and I need to be able to work with all of my colleagues in Division I and particularly in the A5, and we'll do that. We'll move past all the bitter squabbling of the last year and we'll work together to make college athletics better.